Hi, you are now listening to a sermon from Harvest Community Church in Hoffman Estates, Illinois. Today you will hear a sermon from Pastor Frank Pizor. So without further ado, here he is. Lord, teach us to pray. As you probably know here at Harvest Community Church, for the last 28 days, we've been focusing on praying, seeking the face of God and seeking his hand of favor. We've prayed for things like, Lord, I I want to know you, or I want to worship you, or even more difficultly, if that's even a word, uh, Lord, I surrender. I want to give my whole life to you in surrender. We've prayed for our church. We've prayed for ourselves. We've prayed for our families and marriages in the church. We've prayed for our community groups, the corporate body as a whole. And we've even prayed for some of the ministries that we have here at Harvest. Our hope and desire is that we don't want to just pray for these 28 days and say, wow, we finished a campaign. The campaign is over and now let's go back to the way things were. Actually, what we'd like to do is find that this campaign is a springboard for a deeper and more meaningful sense of relationship with God. Because God is our Father. Not only has He created and now sustains the world, But he's intimately involved in our lives. He's invited us to come and seek him, communicate with him in a heartfelt manner. He wants us to get to a place where we are desperately depending upon him to give us his power to not only live in this world, but to be a blessing to the people who are around us. And in all of this, even though he is our father, we come to him as a king, a king who has a kingdom, a kingdom that he wants to expand kingdom which he has asked us to partner with him, to be with him in ministry to this world that's hurting, that's in pain, that needs God. And ultimately, we want to keep moving forward. We don't want to have that retreat experience where we've enjoyed something for four weeks and now two weeks from now we'll be back to what was. We seek to move, a dance, as Pastor Jared has talked about, to move forward with him in prayer, in worship. So the question then we ask ourselves is, where do we go from here? What's next? Lord, teach us to pray. Where do we go from here? We've been reading from Luke 11, and let me read it for you again. One day Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, When you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. As I mentioned in the introduction, one of the frustrations that I used to have as a youth pastor, was what I would call the retreat syndrome. And in the retreat syndrome, what would happen is for the retreat itself, it would be a good experience for everyone involved. And the students would be on fire, inflamed, excited about God. But two weeks later, everything would go back to as it was before the retreat. It's very frustrating to see that in ministry. And my fear would be in some ways that after 28 days of praying together 
as a church for specific topics for ourselves, for the church, and for our ministries, that in the end, maybe two weeks from now, we'll go back to the way things were before the campaign even started. But I think Jesus is calling us to something even grander or bigger. I like what Paul says in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, verses 16, 17, and 18. He says, Be joyful always. Pray continually, giving thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Verse 17, Paul just says, Pray continually. I don't think Paul is saying, Hey, listen, guys, go into your prayer closet. For 24 hours a day, seven days a week, do nothing but pray. That'd be absolutely impossible. First of all, because you'd probably fall asleep sometime in the midst of that. But I think what Paul's trying to establish, the same thing that Jesus would say in terms of relationship with Jesus himself, is that God wants us to pray continually, to be in an attitude or a spirit of prayer for our lives, for the waking moments, an awareness of what is happening around us, and how we might be able to bring God into that situation. I think of one of my favorite stories in the Old Testament of Jehoshaphat. Jehoshaphat was a king, and he was sort of like a revival king. And one night he went to bed thinking that in his kingdom, everything was good. There was peace. People were growing. They were coming closer to God. The next morning when he woke up, he had a messenger who came up to him and said, Your kingdom is under attack. There's this vast army coming towards Jerusalem, and they're huge. Three groups of our enemies have united, and they've come to destroy us. Now, I, I don't know what Jehoshaphat did, but my guess is that he was praying continually in the midst of this revival. And for him, what was going on is he woke up in the morning and had this surprise. In a spirit of prayer, he called the people together, and he said, Family of God, Israelites, my countrymen, Let's come together and let's seek the face of God. Let's seek the hand of favor of God. Let us fast. Let us pray. Let us be together. And in the midst of that, in the midst of their silence, completely depending on God, God spoke to them. And God said, go and face your enemies. You're not going to fight them. You're just going to go and see what I'm going to do. In the end of the story, God destroys the enemies because they fight among themselves. And when Jehoshaphat and the people come to the camp, thinking that they might be fighting, they end up only gaining the spoils of war. Jehoshaphat showed us what it means to pray continually. Rather than getting up in the morning and panicking and trying to make his own plans, should we do this or should we do that? Should we surrender? Should we go and fight? Should we stay here and lay siege and wait for them to come to us? But because he prayed continually, in a spirit of prayer, he asked God that moment, what should we do? It's one of the reasons why Nehemiah is one of my favorite characters in the Bible. Whenever you read about Nehemiah, he's always praying. His brother comes back from Jerusalem and says, the city's a mess. The walls are broken down. There are no gates. The people are discouraged. They're downhearted. And what does Nehemiah do? He weeps, he mourns, he fasts, and he prays. He's praying continually as you go throughout the book of Nehemiah. When he gets to Jerusalem and he realizes the problem is very serious, he prays. When the enemies come and they say, stop building, he prays. When there's conflict within the group, he prays. He's praying continually. How is he doing this? 
He's building city walls. He's building city gates. It's not the action, the little action of praying continually. It's an attitude. It's a spirit that Nehemiah had. It's a spirit that Jehoshaphat had. It's a spirit that Paul had. It's a spirit that Jesus had. And as our examples, the call is to pray continually, to be in an attitude of prayer, that wherever we go, God may very well speak to us to do something or to speak to someone or to pray for someone. This week on Friday, actually last week when you see this, I had dropped my son Daniel off at his soccer practice. And as I was heading down Grand Canyon over by Alliance Fellowship Church, I came to Higgins and Grand Canyon and I saw the old church office that we had. And I looked and I saw the custodian that was there. His name is Vince. And I just had a leading, a, a, a nudging from the Spirit of God that said, go and pray for Vince. Now, I don't know if anyone else knew what his name was in the building. I just remember a story years ago of a college professor who asked his students, what's the name of the custodian? They were ministry students. And no one knew the name of them. Even though they had seen this custodian time and time again, nobody knew his name. And the professor said that if you want to go into ministry, you have to care about everyone, even what someone else considers the little people, because they're not little people. They're important to God. They have value. And that's why I learned this guy's name was Vince. So as I'm sitting at the light, I'm having this little struggle. I'm thinking, should I follow God's leading and go and pray for this man? Or should I just go to the office because I need to get to the office? And in my mind, I was hoping, I hope he gets in his van and he drives off. But I knew that that wasn't going to happen. So I made the green light and I pulled up and I walked up to Vince and he was like, what does this guy want? Who is he? Because he didn't remember me, which I can't understand because I'm so good looking. It's just a joke. But I went up to him and said, hi, Vince, do you remember me? And from Harvest Community Church, we used to be here. And, and we got into a conversation. By the end of the conversation, I learned a lot of things about Vince that I might not have known if I hadn't known his name and had the ability to come up to him and say, Hi, Vince, how are you doing? I don't think it would have been effective as if I just said, Hey, dude, or Hey, bro, or Hey, bud, or How are you? The whole idea that I would try to communicate to you in my experience is that we pray continually because we enter life with an attitude or a spirit of prayer. I'm not sure how much Vince's life was changed by that prayer. Could be incredibly. But I do know that it's a lesson for me to learn that God wants me to pray continually, to be in an attitude of prayer. Not to say that, wow, we've done all these devotionals. We've done all these small groups. We've done all these messages. For 28 days, we focused on prayer. We knew what it was like to have a relationship with our Father. We know what it's like to depend upon Him. We know what it's like to see Him as King, to get aligned with His kingdom goals. And we know what it's like to keep moving forward. But how do we do that? How do we pray continually? How do we get to a place where we can be unlike that retreat malaise, but actually get to a place where when September comes, which is now we're in the beginning of, that we will continue to grow in our praying without all the prompts because we've seen something that God is doing not only in our own lives but also in our church ministry. So the question then is where do we go from here? What is our next step?
So where do we go from here? My suggestion to teach us to pray continually is to start building memorials in our lives. Little altars that remind us that God is our Father. That remind us that we need Him. That He's our King with His kingdom and there's movement in prayer. When I think about my office, I think there's a whole bunch of memorials that I have here. Maybe one of my greatest memorials that I have is this championship plaque here of the year that we won Park District Softball. It's a reminder of that we are champions and that we can win. And so for me, whenever I look at that thing, I have it right behind me in our first place trophy. It's a memorial that we have an ability to do something. And every once in a while, I look at my 2005 World Series White Sox Championship Cup, and it's a memorial, a reminder that for once in my life, a team that I love and care for actually won something major in baseball. I know the Bulls have won and the Bears have won, but in baseball, Chicago hasn't had a World Series, at least up until that time, for almost 90 years. But then I also have other memorials, my family, family pictures that remind me of my family and always keep in mind how much I really appreciate them and enjoy them and love them. And so that when I see them, it's a memorial, a reminder of the memories that we have, but a reminder of love and a reminder to pray for them. You see, when Israel entered into the land, they built a memorial. They built those 12 stones there as an altar to God to say whenever the kids looked at those stones and said, what are those stones for? The Israelites were to say, this is how God delivered us from Egypt and brought us into the promised land. And now you're experiencing the fruit of that labor. I don't know what your memorial is that you need. I know that we have had the wristbands and maybe a lot of people aren't wearing them because we don't like watches like me. But I have it in my car and it reminds me to pray. It's right alongside the one for Tuba City that also reminds me to pray for Tuba City. We want to pray continually. We want to be in relationship with our Heavenly Father. We want to fall in love with Him more and more, knowing Him more and more, and being blessed by Him, and able to influence the world with, that we live in and expand His kingdom. So let me finish with this. It's a charge. It's a challenge. But we've been asking God for the last 28 days, Lord, teach us to pray. And we know that God wants us to pray continually, as Paul's expressed in 1 Thessalonians chapter 5. What we need to do now is respond, continuing to pray, to grow in prayer. And not necessarily in the amount of time, but in an attitude that says, God, I am looking for you, working in my world, and I will join you in that when you point it out. Whether it's to do something, whether it's to say something, whether it's just to pray, I want to do that. And so these memorials, whatever they are, it doesn't have to be a plaque or a first place trophy or a championship cup or even pictures whatever it is that stirs your heart to pray more I would encourage you get that memorial set many of them up in your car your bathroom your bedroom wherever so that you will continue to pray and pray continuously as Jesus teaches us